welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother. Hey, what's up, y'all? So I have a treat for y'all. I am so excited to have this person on the show. We met probably 2020, right? It was at Creating Change. Yep. Uh, January 2020. Yeah. Right before all the craziness and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, And since then, you have come into your womanhood. (laughs) you have come into your womanhood come into your truth and you have positioned yourself as a dominant force and a premier voice in our community and i think a powerful voice based on um your history and i I just i was so excited when i when when i heard you talking in your life because we are on each other facebook and follow each other on social media and stuff and when i heard you talking on your live i was like okay this is the moment because I don't like to jump on when I when I think about having people on the show. It's not always um, I like to I like the moment to be more authentic and not just like, oh, let me make a schedule of when this person is going to come on. I always have a vision when I see people. I'm like, oh, I, I can't wait to have the moment, but I want to make it the right moment. Does that make sense? Pisces. Well, well, as a Pisces, it's that energy moment. It's like we know, but then something that hit and we'd be like, OK. This is when this is supposed to happen. I have made this note over here to come back to this when I do talk to this person. Ah. But now's the time. So that's why when you messaged me, I was like, say less. Girl, let me just get these lashes done, but I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I want to introduce y'all to Dominique Morgan. She is the executive director of Black and Pink. And... um you know, she's just doing big things. She's just did, just finished doing wrapping up an Apple campaign. She just is doing big things. And I love to see the girls win. I'm one of them people that I that, that's my tea. Even bitches I don't like. It's the bitches I don't like in the community. But I love to see you win. Not you. I like I you. Want, but I want you to eat. I want you to eat. Don't eat next to me. But bitch, I still want you to eat. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Also very Pisces Trey. Yes, very much so. Bitch, I got I was telling my, my last check, she's a Pisces, and I was like, girl, we keep, I got beef from kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? And so, but I, but in the spirit of grace, I want you to have your things, but have them over there. Yeah. I don't want to work with you, but I want you to work, bitch. Get your life. <laughs> so I, just seeing you come into, um, you know, come into the activist space and, you know, turn, I don't want to say turn your whole life around, but get out of the clutches of the fucking system and really turn into this um, bright light of integrity of, um, you know, just doing the work. And so I really enjoy um, seeing what you're doing and I'm so proud of you, sis. So that's why you're here. So say hey to everybody. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Um, It's so funny that after I met you in last January, one of my best friends went to Jackson State as well. And so, um, you know, y'all don't play about y'all Jackson State, honey. Um, <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, I went to school with Diamond. I know Diamond. Diamond things down. Woo, woo. And so I said, well, let me find a bit of the songs. And, and so I, I've always um, 
really appreciated how intersectional these conversations will be when I've seen them. And it's been most some of the most random times that I've hopped on. So I'm really excited to be here because I think we rarely get a chance to talk in a way that doesn't feel like we got to show up a certain way and, 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 and to get people to see the real of the, the, the great moments, but also girl, what is, what is the process and, and, and what does it really take to, to do it in a way that is based in integrity and based in people. So I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to talk. Good, 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 good. So let's get started. We're going to start with a hot button topic currently. Um, recently, there was a video that went viral. And it was of a little black boy, probably about 10 or 11. I believe they're 12. Oh, 12. Okay. So really preteen, um, little black gay boy. And his family is just being disgusting. They are being disgusting. They are cutting his hair weird, cutting gay, not cutting as in like a knife, but um, uh, using the clippers to cut gay into his hair, um, spelling the word. And they're literally bullying him on this video. In, and it's his siblings, not not his parents, his siblings. Yeah, siblings. Mm-hmm. And their older siblings one of them the one the oldest one i saw looks like he's like maybe early 20s or late late teens looking at that picture i feel like he just graduated because i think the oldest sister is kind of in charge right and she's kind of the steward of all of these young people and and that brother is like 1920 which hit different right (laughs) you know what i'm saying like in 1920 growing up and being most likely the man of the family, which which looks different and hits different. Is Expectations not, are I, different. When I look at those pictures, that's what I, I thought about all of those levels of how he's trying to show up. Right. And so when you first see it, I'm, I'm disgusted and angry. My first time when I first watch it, I'm like, these dirty motherfuckers. I don't really like watching trauma shit. So I didn't really watch the whole thing. I watched it enough to be like, oh, this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is the bullshit. Couple of days later, baby, I see a baby, the baby get back on alive. The the little boy that was bullied. So the platform that amplified the video tagged this child's Instagram profile. And then everybody was on, there was like two pictures that the young person had. And then he was in, it was kind of, you know, inundated with that. Also what interest, what was interesting to me is that the shade room has not posted this at all. Surprise. They talk about this at all. And the neighborhood talk said they wouldn't show the video and, and people were really making it seem like they were doing something great, but these are the same people that will post, you know, a trans person up there and be like thoughts, knowing what the bullshit is going to be in the comments. So like these premier black spaces to talk about our experience, often led by cisgender black queer men didn't really show up in the way that I thought they would. And then this baby went on a live. Right. And then. So on the live, this is after the incident when there is some heat happening, when there's some it's gone viral, there's some heat. The baby is on a live and you can hear the siblings in the background coaching him to say, 
everything is fine basically um leave my siblings alone um this ain't that deep almost like it's like this is nothing they was just playing they almost that's what it feels like it felt like they were trying to public relation control stop the hurt stop the responses well and e even in the way they did that that was a moment where i recognized these are all kids these are kids because i'm just like well, well honey don't you hear us you know you we can hear you coaching him um you know what i'm saying like you you like you know this and now you're afraid i i i saw young people and i saw a spirit of fear i did not see it as they're trying to silence this child i saw it as we may not even have official custody of each other we don't know what's going on here and it's like this fear of we have all these eyes on us and in the same moment i also was looking at this baby tyler and thinking he is going to feel so accountable for whatever happens out of this feel it and people may tell him he's responsible for whatever changes in the family dynamic after this right and that was that video was kind of harder than watched in the first video because i'm i know what and i know we're going to get into this but in this video i'm recognizing what is being hinged on people seeing this as a safe space for him right and the family sees this as and that's when i was like this is this has more layers than we're discussing and i don't get into the hashtag conversations but we kind of need to kind of poke and prod this a little more than we have right and so after this viral video this viral this video goes viral too you know about him trying to tone down what's happening the backlash that's happening yeah. of course activism in the state that activism is online activism you know everybody wants to jump into the situation and be captain save a hoe <laughs> not, not a hoe <laughs> but to be savior you know to be savior captain yeah, yeah. oh i want to be on the front line i want to come and fly to here and fly to there and um huh ain't seen a front line <laughs> And if you see the front line, you don't want to be on the front line. You're on the front lines because you have to be. If you've been there, yeah, you don't. That's not where you wish to go. So I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to make um, GoFundMe's. I want to do all of this kind of stuff. So this is this is a photo op. This is a um, this is an opportunity for me to say, "Who look at what I did?" <laughs> and so a part of that, look at what I did and fueled by the anger of the community the rightful anger we should about, be angry at what happened um fueled by the anger of the community the emotionality of the situation also fueled by trauma that we all individually experience that we all as a group we we have maybe not with our family but we have been in that situation where we were being bullied and we felt helpless and you know you know we we most of us not all of us but most of us can relate to some type of remnants of that situation happening to us in our particularly in our youth at this age 9 10 11 12 in that regards so i see a report saying that the child has been removed 
from his home with his family. Now, as a person who has been in the system, not the system as um, as a, you know, as in prison, but I I've been in the system as far as being in a group home. So because I was in the foster care group home, you know, system, we in our in our city, it was called Chins. Um, and it's an acronym for something, but um, and the in uh, connected to the courts, I knew the specific connection between that system and the prison system, the detention system, the mental health um system because if if you couldn't do right in the group homes they put you in some mental health facility which is just like a prison system and if you can't do right there in our particular city you'll go to girl school or boy school which is where they would send that which is like the prison for um um kids where they have quiet rooms where they're having lockdowns yes staff historically white people can lay on your back and put you in control right and what they call restrain you restraining the very things that we have pushed back against over the last 12 months in the streets happening to adult black folks are the very things that are not only happening in youth facilities but are lawful because young people usually don't have the like we're not imbuing them in this autonomy space of well i can decide if you touch me or not right. and so it's it's a it's from the what what is it what is from the frying pan into the fire i think is right. it, language that people use and yeah, that's frying pan into the skillet <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like we know we know what harm is happening here with these young black folks where i'm looking at the grace of I was I was home from prison seven months when my mother died and my father passed away about six months into my prison sentence. So although I was 27, I was less than a year out of prison before I had to adopt my 12 year old sister. I didn't know shit about raising a kid. Right. When I look back at some of the interactions that Andre and I had with her going through puberty and if that would have been filmed, I don't know if she would have been taken out of my home. Right. I look at that video and I saw harm happening but i saw potential because i also saw these are young people trying to figure it out and i'm like i know what that beast is i know what i need to do these, these young folks need to be wrapped around i can figure that out but this baby in this system i because I, I can walk in the hood in atlanta and be like i'm dominique morgan what y'all need woo woo and somebody might give a fuck going to the children family services you're who about who we don't even, you know we they won't even recognize that baby is there right the power changes and it was a moment when i was like i to offer grace is like i get the intention but i need y'all to know what the impact is going to be and if y'all have the nerve to be a part of this process I, this cannot be a situational investment this came this can't be a couple of weeks because being 12 in the system, the data shows that when black children go into the system, they come out of the system because they age out. Boom. Not because they are reunited with families and not because the system has given them what they need. So instantly in my mind, I'm like, so we got six years of community being invested. We need to be invested to figure out what's going on with this baby. And we still should not throw away these other black kids who are clearly struggling and trying to figure out what the hell 
are we going to do to make sure that we still here? And so that that made me go live, but that's what's been sitting with me every day of, I know what it's like to walk into the, the, into the detention center with your trash bag of clothes and them niggas feel like you switching a little too much or your booty a little too big or your arm don't hold the tray heavy enough. And what does it mean to fight every day? What does it mean to be locked down because you had to fight every day? When we're talking about saving the baby from the harm, and then they're going into a place that the you may be out here saying that, oh, we're going to stay involved in this and we're going to make sure that, but once they are in the system, you ain't got no control, baby. You are not their parent. And you so you don't have parent. no control. And, 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 the, and, and the comparison between when we talk about system involved at Black and Pink, the reason we talk about that is because these systems were replicated on each other. So although we talk about the juvenile system like it's nice and sweet, the, it looks just like the jail. The same people who go through criminal justice programs in college because they want to work in the system, go work at the juvenile center for their practicum, right? These group homes, these foster care systems, it is inundated. And we're talking about the Atlanta family services system. We're talking about Atlanta. And so, you know, it's overran. You know, it's historically white people in leadership. And last but not least, whether y'all feel comfortable with it or not, the data shows. And I talk about the data a lot because the data I focus on comes from the voice of young people. I've spent five years interviewing young people about how the system has impacted them. They don't see a group home any different from being in juvie. So once they leave the home, no matter how bad the home is, I need us adults to know, oh, I'm asleep well at night. He's, he's, he's in a group home. He's not in detention. He's not where he wants to be. And anytime you're not where you want to be, you're detained. And for me, that is, that, that's comparable to any sort of other experience of a, of a carceral experience. And you don't, and you're not saving them. I'm, I'm telling y'all as somebody who was in this system, you are not saving them from bully. I was bullied in this system. I was, I was more of, um, I wasn't as passive and, uh, there was some things that I was able to protect myself with, but it didn't go this far with me, but the attempt was there. The attempt for me to be bullied in this situation, I had to fight. I had to, I was more, you know, I had to be a raccoon in the corner trying to get the fuck up out. Speak on it because even the piece of not the physical violence, the, the nights that I would have to stay up and not sleep because they were going to pee in my clothes. They were going to throw bleaches on my clothes. These, these niggas going to take padlocks and soap and put it in there. You got 10 people hitting you. You don't know who hit you with the pillowcase. Like these people are not treating these kids like they're their parents. No. This is their job. And the same way that a lot of us go to our jobs and be like, child, fuck it. I'm clocking in. I'm clocking out. It is what it is. They're doing it, but they're doing it with kids. Mm -hmm. So, honey, there's nothing like being in a group home or a facility when 10 o'clock hit and the CO is gone for the night and you don't went to sleep in the bubble. The shit that goes on, that's what that baby is in. And I'll never forget walking into a facility and this and an old head, old head at that time, he was like 19. He was like, who the biggest nigga you see hit him. And I, I remember walking there with my lunch tray and I just the biggest dude, I just hit him in the mouth with my lunch tray. Because that's all I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just do what I have to do. But that positioned me to get additional charges as a juvenile because of assault. That positioned me to be seen as violent 
as difficult as a kid that doesn't want restorative practices, all of these things, the very thing you have to do to make sure you stay safe will be the thing that they try to brand you with to keep you in the system, to put you in more restrictive custody, like you said, Diamond. And last but not least is the shit that they will stay on you until you're old enough to charge you as an adult. And that's how these systems are married, is that they, it's like going from your senior year of high school to college, baby. The adult system is there waiting. They send mm. recruiters, honey. And the best way I know to keep a kid out of that system is for them to never go into the system. And I was frustrated that we didn't, we didn't come together and circle up and say, how do we coalesce around this family? Um, are there black queer folks in Atlanta where we could have housed this young person? Like there were, the issue was real. I found the approach to be elementary, not people centered. And the approach was not going to have the intention they wanted to have. And I'm afraid that the people who spark this are not positioned and intentional enough to see this through. Because when you've done this work, one person, again, I'm talking about six more years. You're going to be at the court appointments. You're going to call the caseworker. The whole six years. Yeah, you're going to do it now with this year when you're trying yeah. to get the clout of it. You're going to do, you do it the whole six years. You're going to do all these things. This GoFundMe. First of all, who knows when we're going to be able to give something to him? He's protected by the state now and he's a ward. So, again, we may not even know what facility this child is in. We may know some people that can get some information, but I'm talking about based on HIPAA, based on standards we have for young people, they can't even confirm where this child is at. And so the, situ the situation that was happening in that initial video was, was terrible and harm was happening. But I saw all these ways that we could show up. Right now, every way that we're gonna show up is predicated on white people, whiteness, systems of harm giving us permission to do so. Um, and I, I'm not comfortable with white people giving me permission to show up for black children. Right. And that really was my, my only gripe. It's not that I didn't have the same anger. It's not that I didn't have the same um, visceral reaction of, mm, I want to fuck their ass up. Uh, or, you know, God, I wish he was in a safe place. Um, but once I saw the second video, and you get what I'm saying? It just it just gave a different tender it, 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 a different tenderness to me, even though it, they both were fucked up. It just made me feel like, yo, like they're they're I'm just like, I'm not going to call the police. That's uh, because if, if I'm going to if we're talking about abolishing and defunding and da, 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 and we're sitting here arguing points on these panels and on these videos about police brutality and about how police ain't shit and how, you know, arguing the point about how they come into situations that actually make it worse. I'm not going to call the police. And so this situation to me, you bringing in the state is exactly like calling the police in a situation that you could use the community to handle. You could use a community to, um, you know, protect this child and, and think about more ways that you can step in. I, and this is given a, a real wide benefit of the doubt. Like we when we talk about restorative practices, when we talk about restorative justice and we talk about um, community um, ways of doing things, how could we have went into this family and helped them if they would have received it? How could we went into this family and 
help them get uh, stop this, especially during this viral moment that they saw was, ooh, you know what I'm saying? They felt the heat. That's why they did the second video. They felt the heat. So if they feel in the heat, how could we continue that kind of heat and saying, yo, look, we we don't want to take your child out of this home. We don't want to take your sibling out of this home. But this cannot happen. Hey, we're going to pause the conversation right there. And let's talk about our sponsors for this episode. There are times when you need someone. I will be by your side Hold on There is a light that shines Special for you and me Hey, this is your girl Diamond And I am here to bring some light into your world (laughs) Through an amazing event The Black Feminist Jubilee Homecoming This is a virtual event hosted by Black Feminist Future, and it's free. Let me repeat that. This is a virtual event, and it's free. That means you can sit at home, and you ain't got to come out your pockets, because it's free. Come on now. Tap your neighbor and say glory for things being convenient. Uh Uh-huh. Even if the neighbor is your COVID dog. Amen. This event celebrates the legacy, the power, and the possibility of Black feminism. Like us here at Marsha's Plate, they believe that Black liberation is achievable. And to get there, we must center Black feminism, build power, and organize to defend and protect Black women, girls, and gender nonconforming folks. Jubilee will be a space to reintroduce, re-energize, and renew in Black feminism. Now listen, I'm telling y'all about this event early because the event is on August the 28th. So you can register for free at blackfeministhomecoming.com. That's blackfeministhomecoming.com. Check it out. I'll be there because, you know, I I like black feminism. It's just, you know, it's just something I I, I just like it. I, I can't turn it loose. That's just what it is. So I'll be there August the 28th. Put it on your calendar right now as you listen to this and go on, take your ass down in the info box right there. Yes, right there. And register. See you there. There are times when you need someone. Yeah, I will be by your side. Hold on. There is a light that shines special for you. What do you need from us for us to teach you for us to what does that restoring this family with therapists, with people, but da, 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 what does that look like in regards to now, if it was something like a person getting raped, a person getting um, like if they were stabbing the baby and this is not making it. I don't want to make what was happening seem you're not what we don't. We're not trying to um, create a hierarchy of harms. Right. But from an abolitionist lens, and I credit Miriam Cabo for uh, that roadmap to change, the first step is you address the immediate harm, right? Ten minutes later, Miss Mamas was on Instagram saying, y'all thought y'all did something, but I'm out here with my good girlfriends, and I'm giving you hoes this work. That, I lived. The the, The little boy. (laughs) Yes, the the little boy. Like, ten minutes later, sis was like, okay, y'all tried it, but I'm still giving you girls all of this, right? Right. So, So that was the first indicator of me of this is this is something that feels like there's 
so blackness and community support could have been a real catalyst here. Two, sometimes you're the amplifier. You don't have to be on the mic. Sometimes you're just the mic. And I think we really struggle with that because we're at a lot of activists are playing into the the white supremacist systems that are writing checks for activism, how they want you to be an activist. And so the grace that I the grace that I offer is that I get it. I understand as a bitch who has a salary, who has consulting jobs, a degreed person, all those, all those other accesses and privileges, like those are spaces of privilege that I that I am in. I recognize that people are trying to do the paint by numbers approach. I call it the D. Ray McKesson approach to activism. I get it. At the same time, it is just, honey, I, 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 I talk about, I talk about the, 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 the way that this work doesn't last so much because don't, why would you want to put in all this work if you know it's not going to have long lasting effect? And that's what we're going to see is that we had all of this heavy stuff on the front end, but you didn't do these things. Where, where is the strength and needs assessment? Who are the people in that community who are already doing this work? Are there people already connected to this child? This child, child clearly presents as and identifies as queer. What are the organizations that exist? If ain't nobody, if, if in the first hour, no one called Tony Michelle, I'm confused. Boom. I'm confused. Come on I'm now. Confused, right? So where's the strength and needs to set? Who's on the ground already before I get on the ground? What's right. available? Has anyone tried to reach out to a family member and, and talk to them? What is possible? Where can we get in after that? Black folks will come to our door. Real black shit is, listen, I know y'all don't know me like that, but these white folks is about to get into the middle of y'all shit and we need to address this before it gets there. Who's in charge? Sis, let me holler at you, right? Where is the disruption that happens? Right. Because the next thing is the state. Because exactly. we don't want this to happen. They didn't have that so chance. We nipped this in the butt. So he is safe and this shit is not happening again. Exactly. Now, if you come out on the bag on me and you talk and you like, I do what the fuck I want. That's mine. And da, 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 da. And I see his danger. Then maybe sometimes I might have to call the state on your motherfucking ass. Well, it's maybe. Be what it is, but you, we, you, your, your goal is to look at one, to address immediate harm and give as much grace as possible. And what I don't feel like the valid fears and the valid reaction we had to watching that child experience harm removed much of the opportunity that we as black folks had to give those other black young people grace. And if I'm looking at those ages, if those folks are under 24, they're all they're adolescents also. They're kids. They're young black children also. And 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 I think that was important for me because I'm just like, these are babies trying to figure it out. So what who's there? Who could we have gotten on the ground? How could we have disrupted it? And then last but not least, even if y'all feel like that these systems need to come in, I need y'all to stand on and name that these systems are a part of the carceral state. I, I, I find it frustrating when, when you get into work. Okay, for instance, as someone who's recently transitioned, I've seen the girls talk about me. Where this bitch come from? Um, this, bitch, this bitch just became a girl. All these other things. I see it and I know, I know the root of it. The root is, that there are black trans women who have been out here navigating the world in their in their truth for 10, 20 years who are not receiving the opportunities I'm receiving. And that's not right. Right. So I get the, the root of it. At the same time, I'm going to name it and I'm going to figure out how to weaponize it. They could have said, listen, this system is a part of the system. But also, this is where we're at. Don't get online and say, well, 
if you ain't doing nothing, don't say nothing. No, that's what community care is. It's, 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 it's a bunch of people who got a lot of opinions that ain't ever going to do something, but that's what it is to listen to community. And we don't like it, but the truth of the matter is for as long as we have been incarcerating people, we have been stealing black children from families. That these systems were birthed and come out of the same spirit of, we believe that black people are not qualified to raise black children. We believe that black people are not qualified to lead black families. We believe that white people have the skills and the know-how to raise good black children and black people don't. And as a black child who was in that system from the age of 13 to 17, a year on the streets telling my body to make it, the adult system from the age of 18 to 27, what I can say is I've been raised more by black trans women in the last 12 months than I ever was by a white person clocking in for eight hours at a time. Come on now. But because people don't know how to decenter themselves, they may not have that information. And that's my concern is we can be involved in cause to action, but that shadow work that has to happen of, well, should I be the person talking about this? Should I be bringing someone else in? Maybe I'm the amplifier. Should I even be the person on the ground? That's where that work happens that allows you to be a part of community and be effective in your desire. I think there's a lot of people in the next six months who, if they are real bitches, will look at themselves and say, I tried, but it didn't really turn out how I thought it would. My sad truth is that... Because you didn't realize that you didn't have the power that you thought you had. Especially when it comes to we're talking about the system, you not you not you you don't have the power that you think you have. You no. may have power over this black family that you're snatching this baby from because the, the pressure. But when they get in the system, the white people have the power. You ain't gonna be able to come in and say, "Well, I want this to happen with this child," because that's not how the system works. Do you know I'm how many families navigated that? Todrick, you don't even have niggas in you. You don't even have black men in your house. I know you ain't about to take no black children in. Let's 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 keep it a buck. Let's keep, keep it a buck. buck. Let's keep it a buck. Like that's what fucked me up. It's like you barely you girl, got you, bitch. You barely making money enough money to take care of you. You ain't even paying your dancers, sir. <laughs> no. So I'm just like the girls are saying. Listen. So my whole point was, it's like whatever power we have, we've positioned this kid to where our power doesn't even permeate those systems. These systems are as old as prisons. So the way that we be having to stand outside of the prison walls and either through bail support or other ways, try to by tearing the building down is the quickest way to get people out. I'm telling y'all that these youth systems are replicas. And that's what's scary. Who, who amongst us has the power to walk up to the Atlanta Department of Services? I know there is a representative from Atlanta who's involved. But again, from the space of politics, that system don't care. They'll say we're treating them well. They're not being harmed, so on and so forth. It's they're not going to take the critique that we they need to take. And like you said, sis, we had a lot of power that we just didn't weaponize well. And now I'm just concerned about what does the next step look like to make sure that Tyler is safe, loved, and seen. And Tyler's siblings are, because I've also been thinking about there's there's four or five black kids that are still in that house figuring out have they been charged with a crime? I, I, you know, certain places where you are renting and it's more people there than they supposed to. And now that's all on social media. Could they be evicted? The, the domino effect of what this does and how white people are going to harm more black people and make it seem like they care about that kid 
but it's just going to be about harming more black folks. Right. And this is not about not thinking people shouldn't be held accountable. Oh, no. It's about we want people held accountable. We are still disgusted by that video, but there are ways that you go about doing this. And and when people are critiquing your ways, you can't be dismissive. You can't be dismissive. You have to acknowledge that this is this is a, what a community when you especially when you put yourself in a position of activism. And you are putting yourself in a position where you step into the plate where people are going to critique your ways of doing things. We just saw this with Patrice. We just saw this with so many different people where they're going to critique your ways of doing things. And so you have to listen to those critiques because sometimes, sometimes it's not just rooted. Oh, y'all just being haters or y'all just um, uh, working from a white supremacist lens and or y'all just sometimes it's not just it's not that sometimes it's bitch. This shit is we there could be a better way to do this. And we want to show you how to do it or and not so show you how to do it, but let you know, hey, this is another way. we need to be silent. Like like girl, this isn't your time. Sometimes people need to be silent and we're not silencing you because we want to take your power, silencing you because you're not adding to the process. Because what I can say is, do any of us feel like anyone was held accountable in this process? I ain't seen accountability. And what I know to be true is someone said on a panel last year, you can only hold someone accountable who sees you as a power player that can hold them accountable. So the system don't think that we can hold them accountable. People were punished. And yes, that young person is not where he was, but I can promise you it's not where he wants. He's not where he wants to be now. So nothing was accomplished outside of losing an opportunity for us to really center our values, center blackness, center liberation and system divestment in real time. Because, girl, this was on this was on a gay blog on Instagram. Honey, the white girls weren't seeing that we had time to coalesce. And, and we did it. And, and, and I don't know if we're going to learn the lesson we deserve to learn from how we handled this situation. And also, I want to point out that we can't at the same, particularly as trans people or queer people, we can't at the same time be making the argument that kids know what's best for them. Kids know about how they feel about their identity. Da, 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 da. Yes, this person may have gone through this bully, bully, bullied situation, but it is very clear that they want to be with their family. Very clear. It is very clear. It is very clear. Regardless of how you may think it is, oh, this is a child. You can, you can, excuse me, you can emphasize him and infantilize him and make him seem like, oh, he don't know no better. He don't know da 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 da. But this is a twelve year old child, and just like a Zia Way can know some things and and maneuver her parents into a better situation with her support. There's a there's a way that this child may know that, yes, I might need some support in helping them stop this bull, helping stop this bullying. But I don't need to be away from my family. And how so if that's if this is what the child is conveying, how can we help this child maneuver in that space? Absolutely. Where 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 was the work done to, to support Tyler in seeing any of us as a resource? Right. Because that's all I kept thinking is like virtually things can feel like, well, I don't know what this person is. But again, that's the power of boots on the ground and leaning into the people who are already in Atlanta doing this work. Hey, sis, do you know what school he go to? Because sis, I, I think I know the counselor there, girl. Uh, I'm going to come up there on the lunch hour. Like that's the type of shit I'm known for finding my kids. 
where I will pull up. Oh, I know where they go creep at. I, I, I'll be outside. Like it, 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 it takes some finesse. It takes some finesse. And that's why you cannot conflate the work of criminal justice and, and abolition work for adults in the same way that we have to show up for young people. And I say that because as someone who works for years in comprehensive sex education and body autonomy of young people, we adults struggle with, with seeing young people as being empowered over their whole selves. And that echoes what you said, sis, around like a young person who's five identifies as a trans person, the support they deserve to see and all these other things, like we validate that. And also this young person may be looking at the spectrum of violence they could experience and their body is saying, it's better for me here than there. You don't know what has happened to them before. You don't know if they've been out of the home and they fought to get back home because it's a real truth. And the last thing I'm going to say is, and this, this may sound catty, but I'm really being serious in saying this, people don't weaponize the ways that they've experienced things to engage in empathy. As many as you bitches that have stayed with abusive niggas and have figured out every reason why he's the person for you and why that's, you'd rather keep the problem you know than get a new problem. That feeling of, I don't know what's happening here, but I know it could be worse there. Pull that out of yourself and think about when that young person, that young person said, I don't wanna leave my home. I don't wanna leave my family. I don't want to be around people I don't know. If you've never slept in a house with five other people and you ain't blood related to them and you don't know them from a can of paint, you don't know what that fear is like. Did they handcuff him when they took him away from the home? Did they put all his shit? Have you ever packed all your shit in a trash bag and had somebody tell you how many t-shirts and pants you can take? That's what is happening. And so, Diamond, more than anything, what sticks out to me that you said is that we need to learn our lesson from this and do better because this issue isn't going to stop no but we cannot replicate this because this is the time when we i'm not going to say we got it wrong this is a time that we did not show up as our best selves utilizing the access and the power we have as people with voices absolutely i think i think that was what was brilliant about your live that you it's and about why i resonated with it so much because it's hard, particularly these, these motherfucking extra woke ass bitches, these extra woke ass people who haven't really experienced shit in life, particularly around this subject. If you ain't been locked up or put in a detention, you can't, you're going to have a blind spot to how this shit works. And yes, you may be angry about the video, blah, 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 but you really ain't the person to be maneuvering this space because you don't have you have a blind spot. You just don't have the experience. And when I saw you talk about it, when I saw you talk about it, I was like, yeah, I, of course, Dominique is going to have the same mindset around this that I did because we don't experience. I didn't experience prison, but we don't experience this system. Period. And it's, okay and it's not cute. Spot. We're not limitless people. There are things that I, I do housing, right? But if somebody calls me about something in Houston, I do housing, but I don't know what the hell housing looks like in Houston. So I'm like, okay, I know Diamond, I know this person. It's, we, we don't, we as people are not gonna have every answer. And I'll go back to that thing of, we need to stop creating systems where we only want to reward people who seem like they are the activists of all things. Because as long as that is our reward system, people gonna try to get rewarded because nobody wants to be seen as a failure or a niche thing. And so we also, and that is a system of whiteness. This idea that y'all want us to be everything and fix everything that your people created. 
girl, fuck you. I'm not about to, I'm, I'm not about to drain myself like that. And so I have my expertise, you have yours. And the beauty is we all have ours. The answer is, if you don't feel like you have access, does that mean that you really are not engaged in community? And if you're not engaged in community, why? Mm-hmm. Why? And I don't think that you can have a very impactful, real abolitionist profile, advocacy profile, and community not be essential to that. I don't believe that. I do not believe I could do my work in a bubble. And I believe my work is better because of those that I know and those that I lean on in the process of it. Right. So people, people didn't use their Rolodex well because this could have hit a lot different. It's because they don't have a Rolodex. They... The, the 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 image is that I, their rolodex includes maybe a few popular girls it may include you know some butch queens that they can be on their platform it, it, it's not actually activists on the ground people that they're connected to we've we've seen this in evidence in other things that they may be involved in we've seen this in you know, many, many times over and over how you just don't have the connections that you think you have and you want to make noise. You want to bumble through a situation like a fucking child um, stumbling through a, a, a room of China and you don't you don't actually do the work. So you don't know how to do it. Risking the life of this kid. And I've seen the things you've said and I've never said anything. This time I was like, this kid's life is at stake. We can't learn our work at the at the expense of what this baby is experiencing. Every day this weekend, I was like, they picked him up on Thursday. Friday was a brand new federal holiday. If you ain't been a bitch in the system and know how these hoes don't want to do nothing on a holiday. So they picked that baby up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He didn't hear from anybody until yesterday. And that's if he wasn't the last person on the list. And he could still be in holding process. Like that's the stuff where I'm just like, I all weekend I was counting the days. I'm like, mm, he might not get to a halfway house or like a permanent placement until like Wednesday or Friday, right? So on and so forth. And I and and I just so so we can't we cannot use the lives of people to be our training grounds for the work because that is unacceptable. I don't say a lot about a lot of shit, but this time I was like, this is a kid. And we fucked this up. The yes. adults didn't this do right. A kid, and you are a kid in the work. And you don't want to admit it because you still want to get your bags. You want to still want to you still want to speak on the panels. You still want to do you want to get that whatever you get. In. And these bags but, on these panels ain't even hitting like like let, hold on. Wait, let, listen, we were a part of a project, baby. The number of pre-calls I did for them girls did not even give me a round number when the check finally came. And my point, and I say that to say. There are people who are getting an abundance of checks, and so it equals a Q coin. And there's a few of us who get a big check for one project. But please don't play yourself. If your if your intention is to be a change maker for a lifetime, do not sell that off for a few hundred dollar checks and a few gift boxes and things because these white folks are setting you up for failure. Facts. It, it's not integral. It, it's, it doesn't have any integrity. It doesn't. It's not. It's not one of them things that. And we can see it. Like people who really is out here, we can see it. Girl, it's like, it's giving Lacroix tease, honey. Honey, you don't taste a Lacroix after you burp that bitch. 
Baby, I want that. I want I want I want my activism to give me very much mountain um sprite from McDonald's, honey. Well, I regret it after that first sip. I'm like, bitch, was I even girl, was I even ready for this girl? You know, like it I wanted to hit hit. And and the other beautiful the beautiful part about all outside of all of this is that there's still opportunity. There's still chance. There's still potential to engage and look at and learn. I just don't want us coming on the other side of this and not asking ourselves those difficult questions and then coming together and figure out. Because what it sounds like is that in the space of all these community activists, we need to come up with a plan of action for youth. It sounds like we need a whole plan. Right. That should have been the thing, girl. That's the Zoom call you call me to, honey. That's the thing I'll join. Girl, don't have right. me come on there you know, about the bullshit because this is now a new thing. I, in, in my time in the work, I haven't seen a very public thing about young people like this. And so if this is a thing, what do we do now? Or we no. just replicate what we did already. And this is what the critiques are about. It teaches you how to do it better. Because sometimes it's, a, it's cause even if it's a bitch you don't like, sometimes it's the right message, the wrong messenger. The number of times I've been like, oh, I hate that bitch. This bitch is right. But well, she's right. <laughs> you know, the times, but that ooh, comes with being a grown woman. Grown person. I want to say this woman. Yeah. A grown, grown person. Accepting that, hmm, she is right. Because some bitch will be like, no, da da da, you wrong, da da da. They, hate me. they don't like me, girl. Being grown, like that you, you know, even from the messengers, right. you, you, they can be right, but you just don't like her. Yes, and it's a blessing. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. I want to switch up the conversation. Yes. And I want to switch to, I want to talk about your music. Yeah. I want to talk about how, you know, how, how your career has unfolded is, you know, prior to your transition, you release some albums, you release some music and you have been, you know, musical and doing your thing in your previous iteration. How does how does it look now that you are living your truth? You are finally comfortable in your skin. How does it look now for you coming into that same musicality, coming into um, bringing a body of work, bring, uh, bringing an album, you are a singer songwriter, and bringing that to the world in this new iteration of yourself? How wh what is different? What is the same? What is 
you know, what are some challenges with your work? Tell me all of the things when it comes to your music. So for me, it was, I, I recognized there was a shift in my, like I, something, something needed to be addressed in my gender in 2017, right at, right when I was starting going through a divorce. And um, I became the ED of Black and Pink at the top of 2018. And I put out a project called Music for the Brokenhearted that was very intimate. My, my, my ex-husband, like the, the final straw, he got this girl pregnant and it was all these conversations I wanted to have and I need to release it. And I, I recognized there was ways I wanted to write those songs, but I was like, oh, this sounds like something a girl would say. I can't, I, I, I can't record that. And I remember putting out that project and not feeling as full as I wanted to be. There's a song called Can't Believe that is like, uh, you know, I, I'm a kid that grew up watching, when I was in group homes, I loved watching musicals. I would, I would watch Grease over and over and over and over and over um, in, my, in my place. And so I wanted to write something that felt like it could be at the end of a musical uh, when I wrote that song. But there is there was something that I felt like I could not tap into. And I started traveling with two things of luggage. It was my boy clothes and my girl clothes for a whole year, no matter where I went. And I, I hadn't told anyone but my therapist. And I started this conversation. And I started writing a few songs that are on Pisces and E flat major. 15 minutes I wrote in Houston. It was my birthday in 2018. Um, they was having the rodeo thing. Cardi B was there, I think. I, I wrote 15 minutes uh, in downtown Houston at a hotel. Um, I wrote Fool For You. And I written some songs. And I'm like, I like how these feel. But if I sing these, these feel kind of, you know, I've been out in all these things, but this feels a little different. And so when i started my medical transition which was march of 2020 and then the pandemic hit a week later like here i'm, I'm in omaha nebraska so it hit us i was like i'm just gonna get into the studio and i just banged out these songs my fear was that the more confident and the more powerful i felt in my body and therefore like in my songwriting and in how i showed up even in the studio all i kept hearing in my head is well, how are people going to take this voice out of this body? Now, I have, I'm a baritone. I got to stand on my tippy toes and put my arms over my head to hit, you know, the note that my producer loves to put, you know, put it when he does my harmony, that high note. Like, I, my voice is, has always sat a certain place. And I'm just like, I don't feel like it's fair for me to have to hand off one thing that I love and that has been my saving grace, which has been music for most of my life. When I was in solitary confinement, living on death row, it was writing songs that kept me to find this space in my gender identity and my role in the world that also feels like it's a part of my salvation and, and my liberation. I shouldn't have to trade them. And so I did the Pisces album and I did like a, it was, a, they asked me to do this festival in October. And I had just socially started transitioning in July. So I had been on estrogen for about six months but female presenting was like July. So by October, girl, my foundation wasn't even matching yet. You know what I'm saying? And it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's all these fears of, I, I sweat heavy when I perform. Are women supposed to be heavy sweaters? Is that sexy? Is that attractive? What is it going to feel like to wear a wig on stage? I'm used to wearing a ball cap and a certain type of clothes. Um, I hate wearing heels. Get, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things I was thinking about in my head and I was like, I gotta do it and see if it's going to work. And so we did Lincoln Calling and I performed like an hour of music and I built a six hour showcase of other black queer artists. And I remember I left the stage and I just cried because I was like, oh, I'm still gonna be able to sing. 
and people are still going to want to listen to me. Mm. And so it was challenging these real fears I had of, you know, when you play my song and then you look on the, this is really one of the first albums where I was on the cover, like, and I took a picture for the cover. I was in a pool for six hours. So I was like, I want to do water for this Pisces moment, honey. And, and, and I want to give them that. It just felt so empowering. I've never done music like this. And so it positioned me to, once we pushed out Pisces, I was like, I have a lot of songs that are, there are things that I have wanted to say that I did not say because I didn't think it should come out of my body. There was a time when I was like, I want to write songs for some females because there's some shit I really want to say and they'll be able to sing it. I remember that was like going to be my compromise with myself. And so I just kept writing and that's why I'm still in the studio because low key, it sounds awkward, but music, music has been a part of my transition as well. Like, my, my, you know, I'm, because I, people think that I'm super expressive when I hop on YouTube or something like that. Yes. But music is where I feel like I can like say, say something. And I believe as a woman, the most powerful thing that a woman is able to do is understand her voice and weaponize her voice, how it's going to be used, who's going to use it, how it's going to show up. You know, my favorite thing about my grandma is that she didn't talk a lot, but when sis spoke, she gave you something. And and so songwriting, I had to challenge like, who is who is Dominique with the pen now? Who is Dominique in the booth? Who is Dominique on stage? And and I don't think. And I not think I, I don't I know that this idea of this space of my womanhood and people, will, you know, you are living your truth. I do not believe that I would feel like that was a fact if I had not figured this out, this essential part of me, which is which is art, which is writing, which is singing um, in this body, you know, um, showing up the way I show up. And, and, and so like that's what I've been so grateful for is that I didn't have to trade. We always feel like, well, I, I want this, but we gonna, but I ain't gonna have this no more. I kept my music, I kept my career, I gained my life because I was on the edge. Mm. I gained, I gained sisters. The, 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 the people think that I'm, I'm from Nebraska. We can be slightly Pollyanna, you know what I'm saying? But I'm also a bitch that done cut a nigga on a prison yard. So bitch, I'm slightly jaded at the same time. And it's still, I'm, I'm still oftentimes moved to tears that I, I can talk to Aria at two o'clock in the morning or Mariah, like the sisterhood I gained from this made me so much better as a human, which I believe has improved how I show up as an artist. So that was a long answer to a short question, but it was really a part of it. It wasn't an end also. And, and I think I think the universe was like, girl, we gonna transition the pandemic so you can sit still like it was black and pink eight to five. And then I was in the studio every night. And 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 and, and this is where you're going to develop and build your foundation and who and your profile of who you are. And I've been able to come out of the pandemic. And I know people are just like, well, this bitch just popped up. But I need people to know, like, this has been a first of all, I present as female my entire time in my incarceration using she and her pronouns. I kind of went into the closet when I came home because I was like, no one's going to sign me. The label was like, you can write for us, but you can't come in the studio. What you gonna do with that ponytail and that bang? You know what I'm saying? Like all of these things. And so this is really a return to me. And 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 there is no me without music. Mm. I remember, so it was this song, it was this album, um, Lauren Hill, you know, she's crazy now well not crazy now but i don't want to that's kind of um ableist but 
she, you know, she's in she's in some different bag now. But this is traveling. This is traveling. traveling. Yes, yeah, so that's beautiful. <laughs> so, um, in a uh, in the early part of her traveling and on her journey, mm-hmm. she did an album that live unplugged album, and she was talking about how she was a prisoner to her voice. Like she couldn't talk to her children. She was on vocal rest. She was drinking lemon and tea. And, you know, she was like, it felt like her whole early, early part of her career, she was just protecting her voice to so much. So that she felt prisoner to it. And so I know she was not talking about it in the context of transness, but, but something about that conversation later on, she says, you know, I had to accept that this is my voice. Sometimes my voice is going to be at its peak, pristine level, and sometimes it's going to be hoarse. But it's good. But some. But it's going to be my voice, and I'm going to still deliver these songs. And it's not. It may not be sound like this. It may not sound like it used to to you. But it's it's me delivering this song, and that's the point. And it resonated with my transness. I know that wasn't her intention, but what me being a you know, if you're a music person, you know a word or a lyric or you know a church if you churchy or you um a music person we know how lyrics go lyrics don't always have to be what exactly what the writer wanted it to be it's what you as the listener translated to so when she said that i translated as it broke a yoke in me because i i know growing up i'm a i'm a baritone tenor too um and growing up i didn't think musically that um once i transitioned that i could do what i wanted to do because of the depth of my voice how deep i sing um and it was it was and what people don't know when it comes to my transition and and that part of my life that my music stuff is the most tender thing it is it's the most um it's like ooh like i don't want to i don't want to i could sh- i could get on here with my titties out, I can get on here with no makeup. I can get on here and not and 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 you see me in my worst look. Just woke up, da 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 da. But for me to put music out is something that is really sensitive to me. It's really sensitive. And here on Marshall's Plate, because I do all the music, and I try if I if I try something put on my SoundCloud too, um, because I put my music. Uh, out in this sort of way it actually has got me to the point where i'm more comfortable with my voice it actually got me to the point where i'm more comfortable with um creating i've always created on my own because i just love music music is something that is therapeutic for me so I, I got a whole um i got a whole laptop full of creations of mine either a cover or that i've that i've changed up or just some music that i just haven't put out and so part of that was not feeling like um early on not now but early on it was like mm, you don't sound I didn't want to be singing in my falsetto all fucking day. I, sometimes I want to deliver a song and it's just delivered. This is how I sing it. This is my voice. And and Lauren put me in that position where, let, yo, sing the song, deliver it, sell it. Like, that's what's going to make people feel it. You're not going to have to. And and I have a range. I got I got a good falsetto. I can, you know, I can hit notes. I, I got a range so I can do it. But I'm going to use all of my voice. I'm not going to use just this part that 
that may sound soft and feminine i'm gonna use the voice that's gonna make you get goosebumps i'm gonna i'm gonna use the voice my whole voice my full voice to deliver a number to deliver the song so that you can feel it so that you can like it so it can be pleasant i want to be on key i want the harmonies to be on point i want out you know what i'm saying i want to deliver the song instead of worrying about the gender i don't want my gender ideologies to come into my creation and color it i wanted it to be in that kind of way in that kind of judgmental way where cisgender heteronormativity comes into my music and changes it so i always thought like oh how other girls particularly i'm i'm a kind of team of players so i would like to be in some kind of group but most girls like be wanting to be beyonce when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to their music everybody want beyonce they don't really want to work together with people but everybody wants their own solo career which is cool but in my mind I always wonder how other girls are navigating that that kind of space when it comes to their creation and dismantling transphobia within their artistry. I think it's also easier to to like break that open if you write songs. Yes. So it would be a struggle for me, even more so if either I was waiting for people to write for me or if I was a singer in the way that you know, I got up and sang covers or maybe I performed with a band and things of that nature. I it didn't stop because I was still writing for my voice because, you know, part of my truth is even before my transition, I wasn't giving the girls a Tevin Campbell moment. You know what I'm saying? It was it was it was still not that. So I always had to be clear about how do I make sure that I'm showing up in the best way vocally to deliver the message that I'm trying to give. I'm, I'm trying to say something to people. And how can I be a, a, a instrument for that? And, and that's what I always have to come back to. And now, you know, these songs for this summer EP are very sexual and, and talking about all these other things. And I'm like, well, girl, you know, I'm gonna be in this 90, most likely in this music video. And you know, what, what is this gonna look like and what's the effect gonna be? And at the same time, I think of people like, you know, Jasmine Sullivan. I think of people like Mahalia Jackson. And I think about these women, these black women, these black cisgender women with voices that are not stereotypical, that are robust, and that are some of our most amazing storytellers in our music, like in our music community, versus what I love about Shea Diamond is that her voice sounds like it's very much hers. It sounds like she's singing about what she wants to sing about, and it's showing up. I look at some of the trans girls that are doing music, and I'm like, I don't believe this is this is this is your I, I don't believe this is really making you excited. I don't believe this is really making you happy. And I'll be damned if I'm doing this like I always do music, but doing this in a way that it's I'm investing time as a stream of income and a part of my career and me not be like, well, girl, I'm, I'm really in love with this deal. And, um, and and so, yeah, like I think that's important because you create music and I think that's the power of like really owning your shit. I think, cause that's, that, that was Lauren's perspective. Now we've heard stories about that first album where sis may not have been in the kitchen cooking her by herself the whole time. Um, you know, Robert Glasper kind of, you know, sprayed the girls, but she was, she's, but what they have consistently said is that she's in control of her sound. And so I think that is a huge component. You can't, I don't believe that you can't do this in this space and not feel really empowered about what you're going to say, what you're not going to say, how you got to make somebody show up for you. I'm going to get up here and do this show, but I need a fan today. I know you want me to think, well, well, the fan is going to reverberate. I know that, 
but the air don't get as cold as I need to be. And this, these 30 inches, I'm not going to be up here a hot mess. So I need a fan. Like it's, it's been about balance and demanding what I want, what I feel like I need to show up as my best self. And I've been blessed to do that. And, um, and yeah, I love your music, by the way, honey. I, I found your SoundCloud uh, last year. My friend Ashley Spivey, um, you know, went to Jackson State and, and she was like, you know, ja you know, Diamond Sings. And I was like, what? Um, so I went on the SoundCloud and I said, yes, God. Um, and I think that's just dope. Like, Black trans women, do we all have to either be activists or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like can we show them all the facets of us? And that's what I love about even again, even if it's not like your main thing, just to see it because it, it just affirms what we know to be true, that we are multifaceted Absolutely. and there's so much more to our womanhood outside of the things that people want us to put on the forefront. And that's another, it's just another muscle for me. That's a, just another um, muscle. It, it, that's the best way I can say it. It's like, I'm, that is my, just something that I do that I feel passionate about is something that is just another way for me to say something. I'm definitely usually talking about love and relationships. I have a song called Squirrel talking about, I'm just trying to get a nut. <laughs> yeah. I just put that out. It's so many things that I want to talk about from a black trans woman's perspective that, um, I, that comes out in my music and that's what it is. Um, so I'm, in my and also let me ask you this because this is an experience that i've had um navigating music as well what about the technicality of recording the technicality of getting in the studio i've had issues with first of all the you know it's an expensive thing so um before you you know you 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 have a salary now so you can kind of budget what you do but it, but before that when you were in a different place financially how were you navigating creating your music and you know because for me i didn't have the resources to do it in my younger years at all nowhere near um the resources to do it and I would get because I have a talent that people can exploit. I would get people coming to me to do backgrounds, coming to me to do certain write certain things, coming to me for that perspective. But also, especially niggas, I, they'll get me to the studio. I'll be, be trying to, but be trying to hook up too, you know. And if I don't want to hook up and I just want to create, then everything access to everything is gone. And so, um, how are you? How have you navigated that? Just the how are you, how are you getting the resources to record and even even before and now? How does that? So early on, it was kind of a trade of I was writing for other artists on the label, and um, I, I did a mixtape first. It was it was terrible, but I was like, <laughs> and also I need to say that I do not have a desire to be a producer, to be on Pro Tools. Like I don't want to do that. I, I like, like, and so working, my, my producer's name is Alfonso Jones and Icon One Music, it was, it, it reached a moment where he recognized I was going to bust my ass to make this happen. And he was like, okay, this is how much free studio time you will have. And, and, and anything else you'll have to pay half price of what it is. So early on, that's what it was. But also early on, I did, I underestimated how much time it takes to create a song. So if I look at my earlier work, I look back, I'm like, oh, I, I should have took a whole just one session just to think about who was who would come in and do backgrounds. And so what I appreciate about that is that I was able to learn and mess up and fuck up and get that in a space where I was being wrapped around. I was in a 360 deal. 
But there reached a moment when I was like, I'm putting in all this into this. I want to own my shit. And, and so even if I put out one song, I'm going to pay for it. And so now it's, I budget for studio again in the space of ROI. Um, I, it, it was this much to make it. This is what I got to bring in. I'm, I base my performance fees on that because at the end of the day, right now I'm navigating my music as, as one of my five in streams of income that I need to take me and mine up out of this space of experiencing poverty. And also music is a non-negotiable and a self-care tool for me. And so the same way that I budget in my therapist and my psychiatrist and getting my ADHD meds and everything else, I know when I'm getting, I know when I feel like I'm like, oh, something's off. My friends will be like, when's the last time you've been in the studio? I'd be like, girl, it's been a couple of weeks. Okay, bitch, go on in there and get and release and do something. So I prioritize it. Um, and 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 that's and and that also is affirming like the privilege and access I have with the salary and income. But I very much so prioritize it. I may not go on a vacation, but I'm gonna buy three days in the studio because that is that that that's going to feed that. Um, but absolutely find people who also just believe in your voice, like believe oh. in your like because they exist. They very much so exist. And the last thing I will say is what I do believe is there are a lot of people who have access who are just like us that are gatekeeping other people. And so there is so much opportunity for um, collaboration and inclusion. Like I have a song on my album called I Am that the that, that the people I was thinking about was like coming from this family of trans women that are I'm not biologically connected to, but I'm really existing because of them. And so we are doing the deluxe version, which will be all remixes from the original songs. And I'm like, I want to remix with some black trans women. And I, you know, I've been talking to some people and the response is like, also, I'm like, well, girl, I'm pay you for your time. I'm paying for your studio time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to respect your artistry. But it's that, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's the hesitation for collaboration. That 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 I know is a byproduct for many of us who would like to do this that may not know the ways to be connected to folks who are doing it and can put other people on. Mm. No shit. Mm. You just talked about your five incomes, right? Mm -hmm. How do you, us as leaders? Sometimes I feel like because we are in activist spaces, there is a tender walking on eggshells that we have dance that we have to do because one minute we are asking for donations for a program that we have. One minute we are talking about the disparities and da 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 of trans people and we are the perfect people to lead the leadership that we're leading because we have experienced this and we're telling our stories, our woe is me stories. We telling these things, but sometimes people don't understand that we are not in those spaces anymore. And we work fucking hard for our salaries. When we are asking you to donate to our organizations, that is not our money. That, that is for you to help us with the programming. Our salaries is usually paid by um, um, Boralis or, uh, you know, some some organization that we have had. We have got our operation funded through. 
and we're looking for funding for for our programming, you know, so and so and so and so and so. But sometimes people can see you because you're a trans person, you're creating these moments and the, and doing these beautiful things like traveling, getting a new car, getting a new house, having the best hair, taking some great pictures, doing something that is that kind of can look luxurious with our salary because we don't got no fucking kids. <laughs> it's just us. We may have, you know, nieces, nephew, brothers that we taking care of, but you know, we have a little bit more flexibility because it's just us we are taking care of. And as somebody who also feels like we should um, do self-care and do wonderful things, like we should experience things, especially if we working as hard as we fucking do. How are you? How, how do you balance that? How do you balance the idea of, hey, I want to show y'all this luxury stuff that I'm getting myself or, you know, you might not be that person, but I want to show y'all me this amazing trip that I just did. Sometimes I get self-conscious because I don't, first of all, I'm not balling. I don't have no big ass salary. I have a very normal, regular salary. <laughs> and so, but because I live in Houston, my cost of living is low. And so I'm able to do things, fun things for myself. How are you navigating that space? Because I feel sometimes self-conscious about sharing things. Well, I, live in, I live in Nebraska where an adult with no children, you need to make $12 an hour to live uh, to live fine. I have a three-bedroom house and my, my mortgage is $750 a month. So like that's one answer. Additionally, what I realized early on, so uh, Omaha is like a like the, the hotbed of like family foundations. The Buffets live here and all this stuff. When I started to look at, I can't, my first job out of undergrad, I was an adolescent health educator. I was making $42,000 a year. And I remember they told us that all, no one talk about their salaries. And we were on this $10 million project. And there were people working for other agencies and they were getting paid five, $10,000 less than me. And they were, they had master's degrees. And that was the first moment when I was just like, well, one, People can pay you what they want to pay you. All that bullshit about what you should get is some bullshit because these white folks will get paid astronomical salaries and not even be returning their own. And income. going on trips, doing the most, doing, yeah, the, doing the most. Mode. The second thing that happened to me was my first year at Black and Pink. I stayed at the hospital for all of 2018 and I was working full time at Black and Pink. My first year at Black and Pink, my salary was fifty five thousand dollars to be an ED of a national organization. The largest LGBT organizations in the country, the executive directors are making close to a quarter of a million dollars, if not $300,000. Let's be clear. The executive director of the Trevor Project is not making $100,000 a year, and we have no problem activating a litany of fundraisers for them, right? And I say that to say, I began to recognize that me asking for more from systems that have more did not equate to me taking away from the mouth of the people that I want to serve. That's one. Two, it is bullshit to think that the same housing and resource programs I develop, I should have to be a member of leading it. I've seen people handy, working, a, working at a pantry and having to take pantries home makes no sense to me. On the other side of it, it also is very much an understanding of my artistry, I don't know if you, like, I went through this time when people were like, well, what is it? How much does it cost to book you and all this stuff? 
And there were trained, there was online trainings I went through that helped you come up with equations for it's this amount of time of your of your training, this amount of time to make the product, and this is how you charge uh, uh, $500 for this phone case. Like if someone asked you, and I started to look at my structural education, my lived experience, the, the amount of time I put in, I make $103,000 at Black and Pink almost four years in. I've raised $5 million at Black and Pink. Seems My fair. Kind of unfair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the girl that's on call. I'm doing bail support at three o'clock in the morning. I did not sleep last night because it's College World Series and they did a sting and they arrested all the girls downtown. So I had to be downtown to get the girls out. And I still had to be online this morning to meet with my team, right? My daddy used to say it costs to be the boss and I believe it, but you're going to pay me to be the boss too. Because if, if it starts with me, it ends with me and I deserve to be compensated for what I, sh not only how I show up, but for me, because white people never have to have those conversations. And in regards to how I display it, a part of my work is trying to get into those, those ways of believing where, well, if you're in advocacy, you, it should look a certain way. When it was with, with Patrice's situation, I said, you niggas don't know how to have a layered conversation because y'all are upset with the, the thing that I'm looking at where I'm like, you want to talk about how BLM has been involved with these black families and how BLM hasn't shown up. But you're connecting that to this woman buying a million dollar house in L.A. where a million dollar house is a hole in the wall. These you're 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 not talking like. These are layered conversations and all you can point at is this woman buying a home when she's a professor and she's written books and she's done all of these things. And so perpetuating this idea that to do advocacy, we have to we have to resemble the very population that we're trying to pull out of that situation. I don't believe that as a black trans woman, I think it's important for me to one, do what makes me feel good because I spent a lot of my life not feeling good. Two, I know that when I looked at y'all, when I saw you on CNN the other night, when I look at Aria on Facebook, when I look at Mariah, when I look at these things outside of the work, I'm looking at how you, how you all show up as women and I look at the things that really speak to me and I'm like, well, how would this be on me? So if I don't show up and I don't show up and show people what you can have, they can't divest from it. We always, we want people to divest from shit they've never had. Well, we're anti-capitalist. I've never been able to engage with capitalism. It wasn't until I could engage in a prime day until I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna give them people my money. But we have a whole lot of nerve to tell oppressed people like, you don't, you don't want that. That's not really good for you. Let people try it. I, I had to buy a Mercedes to realize this Mercedes is cute, honey, but a new Nissan would have been lit too. But I deserve to experience it because I worked at it. The last thing I will say is I'm also aware and we need to be more aware that the people who are at the forefront that we look at as privileged, we are, we are, as you said, although we most likely don't have biological children and so on, we're never just taking care of ourselves. Right. I got five kids to buy back to school clothes for. I got, you know what I'm saying? I paid for, I paid $20,000 for my sister's wedding last year, right? These things that I'm gonna do because I'm the oldest and I want to, my parents aren't here. That's why I bust my ass. That's why you're going to write me a check when I come to speak. So for every bit that you see me taking from me, I'm also really intentional about how I reinvest it. I have a fund for my surgeries I want to have, and I have a dual fund that's going to go to some girls I'm going to take with me.
right? That's my choice. But we just deserve to live lavishly at the end of the sentence. I gave a very long explanation with um, explanations, but also can we stop thinking that black, that, that black trans folks have to look like what we've been through? Mm. Can we can we divest from the fact that much of y'all talk about Marsha? You want me? You, do you want me to? Only way that I can live is by living with a friend or someone who decides to give me kindness. That we have Miss Major needing fundraisers and things when she should have millions of dollars because she's giving us millions of dollars worth of change and promise in our communities. That's 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 what I think about. And, and so I will not kill myself trying to fix the systems that white people created and not come out on the other side, being able to rest, being able to support my people and being able to look back and be like, you know what, bitch, I also lived. My daddy died at work, 40 years old. And my dad used to talk about working and what he was going to do when he was re- going to retire and all those things. And it taught me a lesson of maybe tomorrow may not happen. So today I'm going to buy me a Louis. And tomorrow I may go on a trip, but also I work five jobs. But so, also that this is money that I earned in my salary. I work this five is, jobs. I'm, not, I'm not fucking working. I'm not using money from the programming of my organization. First of all, the girls, who give, that shit. That, the girls who give that, first of all, girl, get you $10 together and get you a guide star membership, girl. Go look at, go look at our 990. Yeah, at, this is public. Um, all of all, all of our board reports are public. My and the reason I shared my salary is because black and pink, everybody knows what everyone makes. And anybody can ask us why, because one, I'm also telling y'all, stop hiring the most oppressed people to come in and do the largest amount of work. And you we can make it on 50K, so we're gonna give you 50K. Make it is what I get. No, thank you. And no tea, no shade. I love the work that I do, but I also have in the back of my head, girl, I could go work for one of these, one of these for-profit places and clock and clock in at eight and leave at five and 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 make a hundred K easily. So I think it's also unfair to position us to either sacrifice or be performative about how we're sacrificing. Because yeah. I think it's even worse when girls are like, well, I ain't got it, but we know you do, but you don't want to seem like it. You don't want to, you don't want to be dragged in the public. I get it. But I think the more of us that talk about it, the more of us that are trying to push back on this uh, theory that that's how we should show up, the more of us that will feel comfortable I'm doing it um, is, is, is what I believe. And also yeah. stop lowballing ourselves because they'll come to me and say, this person did it for that. Well, you need to go back to that person. Facts. Pay me. Yeah. And I love them, but also go back to that person. And I'm also that girl that'd be like, hey, love, somebody told me um, what I can tell you is this is their budget and this is the line item I saw. So you should probably ask for this. Right. Right. I always ask for a coin. I always, and you can't nickel and dime me because I feel like they're making money off you being on their platform. They are, they, they are doing what they, they have already been paid to create this program that they have you on. They already got it in the bank account, particularly these big ass orgs. I'm a small org, small or we not even a million dollar org. We small. And so I'm not going to these big working for these, big orgs and y'all telling me y'all only got three hundred dollars y'all only got five hundred dollars you got me fucked up no that's not what's gonna happen and also we're never off the clock 
Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm making some coin on this panel, but how many times have I said black and pink? It's my background. And I can and I work with my development officer. I did this panel today. Can you tell me what donations came in? Because they correlate. So when somebody talks about, well, yeah, I they paid me a thousand dollars, but I raised ten thousand dollars a day. You better mind your business. I wrote it into my contract. I wrote it into my staff's contract. Y'all sit on a panel, keep that money because that's your ingenuity. That's your thought leadership. I don't own that. You're sharing that with us at Black and Pink. So this idea of nonprofits and, 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 and how black and brown folks need to show up in it, I think we gotta throw the Kool-Aid out the window and say, listen, we're not doing that anymore because these white girls are not. These white girls are not gonna take that salary. That's what I can tell you. And, um, and, and, and for them to tokenize us the way they do, you wanna tokenize me, it's going to cost you a check. And and the girls and 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 I and I say that without shame. And you should. <laughs> and you should. We're not. And this is about the system that is above us. And I want to make that very clear yeah. because we are not talking about. Because just like you said, we are really dedicated. I know me and you. I've seen it. Um, we are really dedicated in redistributing funds. Whatever I got, this extra, I am giving it to other people. There is community people that can tell you, I don't talk about everything I do, but there are community people that can attest to you. If something is going on with them, I'm sending them $200, $300, something to help them do something. I'm doing something to, you know, I'm, I'm supporting people who are doing the work. I'm supporting you know, so many things out here that why because can't we be philanthropists. Yes. Why can only white people decide that they want to give us some of their money? Yes. Why we can't can I be the bitch on the board saying, oh, your program is about that shit. Your, your program is good. You not and not, you not just in a clique of people <laughs> just because, you know, who you know, I want to be the bitch that say, oh, yo. Yeah. This program is out here doing the work. I see them because I, I, I'm heard, in this community. I, I saw I saw you on TV. I'm, I'm going to write you a check. Yeah. Why can't I be in a position to do that? Are you going to keep me in a space where I can barely survive, but I still am going to take the soup I have and break it in half? Right. Right. Because what we what I know to be true is that we're going to share regardless. Yeah. What, what, what we're talking about is, is there more of the pie to share? Because we are going to share regardless. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important. And also we're not taking away from what we are making sure our people have right. this idea that us having a larger salary is taken away from these programs. The truth is that, and I'll close with this is that, as you said, usually my salary is a part of a budget for all of these grants. When I'm asking for community donations, it's dollars that are not tied to a program. I don't have to wait for white people to approve it. That's the money that I get to take to go bail a girl out. That's the money I get to go take where I don't have to have a housing program. I'm going to just go pay somebody's rent. It allows us to be radical and divest because it's and creative and, and creative. So, yeah, my salary comes from these structural, really up and down, right across grants that I have to give you five reports from. The community money is how we really shake the fucking table right. and hopefully position ourselves to not need those foundation dollars. Right. But until then, it's yes and I'm gonna do what I, I'm gonna flip this money and make it do what it do. Right. Well, Dominique, thank you for sharing your experience. Um, I think you um, you are you are coming into your own. You are you are really just stepping up to be a leader that I appreciate and see you um, 
just doing even bigger and better things. I you I want to see what your expansion is going to look like. I want to see what your expansion, even if it's not at Black and Pink or wherever you go in activism, but where your expansion expansion looks like in your music. I want to see, you know, just how you just become this um this this just just shining leader that you already is shining, but where it goes from here, I can only see it going bigger and better. Um I appreciate you for taking the time to come holler at me. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I am so appreciative. Thank you for this platform. There's so many folks I know that love, you know, Marsha Plate has a, 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 a sickening following here in Nebraska. Yes. <laughs> um, quite a few of my friends um, live for it. And, and I just, I, I think that's so important. And also y'all go to the Black and Pink website and find out about Opportunity Campus. We're, we're the very things we were talking about with Tyler, we're trying to build one of the answers, not the answer, meaning that we know everything. I'm saying like, I think we need to throw this penny into the pond. I think this is a possibility because that's, I think that's how we really radically shift this stuff. So um, so please go to, go to our website and find out about Opportunity Campus. Thank you so much for having me, Diamond. And, um, and I just, I'm excited for this work too. And also I'm excited for us to be back in the same room because honey, yeah. it's Panini played, honey. And I'm ready I was for supposed it. to come to New Orleans because we we all supposed to come down um, yes. and support Mariah, but I can't, I got so much going on that week. I hate that she, I wish she would have did it like the first week of July, yeah, but because yeah. it's uh, the Friday. And then she and like, announced oh. Kelly Price. I said, girl, let me go to Patty's real quick, girl. <laughs> But yeah, it's coming. It's coming. But I appreciate you so much. Yeah, I'm going to put Dominique's link to her site and Dominique's link to um, Black and Pink. And y'all go down there and check it out and support your girl. Thank y'all for listening and have a wonderful day. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, sister.